Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. persistence, 
purpose in life, love of challenge, diversity of experience, high energy level, and sense of mission. This was B, and B still is the ultimate beyonder. These are the themes we want to explore today as we celebrate B and her 100 years of creative contribution to the world. And we start today with these two daughters, Bonnie Sample and Joan Barnes, both of whom are joining us from Minnesota. Thank you very much for being with us on this very special day. Great to be here. Well, we, we wanted to ask you first on a very personal level about B as mom, as wife, as mother, as the house fro she described herself as before she got into this work about 50 years ago. Well, I think she exhibited all of the uh, all of the attributes that she did as a teacher. We were pretty much encouraged to try new stuff and supported for trying new stuff. She, she also had an extraordinary diversity of interests. Um, I think her, her role as wife and mom were really most important to her, but I think she found those, some of those roles rather stifling. Um, she had so much energy and so many interests and wanted to be so engaged in music and the arts, uh, all um, domestic um, um, interests she had and was always reaching out and bringing new interesting people into our lives. She was very active in, in bringing folks from the international community who would feel pretty isolated in, in Richfield, Minnesota in the 50s and 60s, but they were always welcomed at our house. And your father was a principal at a school in Richfield, which is how he eventually connected to E. Paul Torrance, who, again, was one of the early researchers and really helped launch the formal field of study of creativity. How did they come to know each other, and, and what happened when they met? Well, um, Dr. Torrance was working on a study, and he happened to choose my, our father's school as a place to find students to to test for creativity. And Dad recognized that this was a man that Mom would like to know, and so she got involved, and as she said later, it was like coming home. So he was her absolute mentor, and and so she's, with all of her contacts, passed on some of his uh passed on the interests of Dr. Torrance. She always was promoting him. That is for certain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the very last day of her life. Um but I the other thing that was interesting about their initial contact was that it inspired mom uh, to go back to school. So she went to the University of Minnesota and I think was initially limited to one semester um, and needed some funding in order to continue. Uh, and and uh, some, I think, months 
after uh, 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 meeting with Torrance, he called her and said they had a uh, position available. I think it was a secretarial one. And that is essentially how you know they they started to work together. I think the the position was for another uh, another professor, but uh, it really launched her into the academic uh, side of of uh, creativity, I think, and their relationship with Torrance. Yeah, Steve, is Pete on the line? Uh, I think he is, and we'll come to him in a minute if he can hear us from South Africa. Pete, can you hear us? Hello, there you are. Oh, there you are. There There you you are. are. This is Mary Alice. Yes, welcome. Well, uh, Steve is telling me that... that Sorry, Pete, before we start, if, if your computer's on, if you can shut that or shut the volume up because we're getting an echo, so we want to be sure we can all hear each other. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very good. I'm, I'm on the cellular and there's a thunderstorm out here. So, Pete, your question. Right. Well, we, we can hear you now. Okay, can you hear me? I can hear you too. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Well, Pete, I I understand from Steve that um, you teach in South Africa, and I wonder about how B your relationship with B and and her um, diversity of interests and energy and connections um, with creativity and I'm assuming playfulness as well. I'm sure she was a very playful spirit. Even though I didn't get to meet her, that I wonder how that influences your teaching. You know, uh, she had a tremendous influence on my life. I met her very late in my life, and I can tell you that she's the only person that I would ever admit that she was my mentor. I learned so much from her in such a short time, and uh, not only about creativity but about life in general, about jazz. Uh, about how to approach people, how to work with kids. Uh, I, I, I'm indebted so much to be. There is uh, how, any aspect of my life that wasn't touched by B. In fact, I use her as an example in all my retirement courses, telling people that's what you should do after you retire, compose a completely new life. Seems to be the prototype of uh, uh, the, new, the new mature person. Uh, the person that up between 60 and 90 plus could compose a life that has very little resemblance to what happened before. Whether you made a success or not a success in your life, there's a new chance to do something, to compose a completely new life, become a person of wisdom, of influence, of integrity, and a good mentor. That, that is what she meant to me. So as you think about the work that, that you have done since we met you in South Africa, which was shortly after the transition of your country, and you were involved at the time as a journalist, and since that time you've done a lot of work as a futurist, as a creativity consultant, as an author, how, how do you see the role of creativity in society in a broader sense, and you know whether it's the South Africa example or, or, or just in general? 
Uh, you know, and then I think what, what, what they told me is that unless you think uh, creatively, unless you think out of the box, unless you can deal with ambiguity, there's no way you can survive the sort of transition that we had in South Africa. And I think that was, that was, happened, that was happening in the first year of the transition, that there were people who were willing to, to think out of the box, to, to deal with ambiguity, that sort of thing that they always stressed. And out of that came a new thing, and, and with which we are quite comfortable today. We have, you know, we criticise and we do that, but the fact is, it works. And uh, the, as, 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 to my mind, you know, the the way I look at things, the way I look at politics, the way I look at, at developments in the uh, in the country, is so much influenced by that thing. You should you should be a beyonder. You should always think out of the box, going further, one step further, see that you can get behind the behind. And uh, for that, I will be eternally indebted to thee. You were responsible for one of her early books, The Creativity Force, because after we met you in South Africa at a creativity conference, you came and stayed in Minnesota for six weeks with us and participated with us and uh, asked me to pull out everything she'd ever written, which she did, and, and you encouraged her to put that together in that collection in the first book. And what did you see in all of that stuff that she pulled out of the files from probably then 30, 40 years? You know, the, the interesting thing, I think B was so busy doing stuff. She was so busy growing people, seeding people, because I can't think of anybody that ever had a close contact with B. They didn't in themselves discover a, a seed of something quite different, a seed of greatness, a seed of, of new aspirations. And she was so busy seeding people, teaching people, mentoring people, that she neglected herself. And that's why I asked her, please give me all the articles that you've ever written. And I realized there's more than enough material for a, for a very, very good book. And fortunately, he caught on to the idea and... As you know, I think she wrote a fifth book just shortly before she died, the the, uh, the autobiography. And uh, I think I think B would have would have kept on trying to influence people and, and not realizing that she could influence a far wider group of people by writing, which which is what she did at the end. I think a couple of books on education is absolutely stunning. I think everybody to do with education and renewing education should read those books. I think at the time of her death, B was the undisputed doyen uh, of uh, uh, education reform, not only in the States, but I think worldwide. There's such a huge group of people, diverse people from all over the world, that was inspired with her weekly fireside chats over the, over the Internet uh, and inspired to do things in their own little way. Uh, I, I really miss it, you know. I really miss that sort of leadership that went out from her, even when she was quite ill. There was still that presence that was there, that leadership that she had there. And and the big joke uh, right right before she died and at her funeral was that in those last weeks that she asked for the the address and phone number for the governor of Minnesota and the U.S. Senator Al Franken, the comedian who became senator. So she, she certainly, the passion lasted completely to the end. Uh, 
I want to thank you. I invite you to please stay on the line with us if you would. And I think you had a nice segue to our next guest, uh, Kathleen Keenest, who is another former student of these from the 1970s at Metropolitan State University in Minnesota. Um, she's now currently the Director of Gender and Peace Building Center at the United States Institute of Peace. And Kathleen, welcome to Creativity in Play. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be a part of this discussion today. Well, well Kathleen, how does how does these work influence your work in peacemaking? You know, I think about this all the time because um, one of the things that be instilled at me in me, and I was in my early twenties, and I will say that. Indeed, I never knew how old B was, and I reveled in the fact that age didn't matter to her in the same way she looked at me in my 20s as with full potential, I looked at her with full potential. So it was a, a very nice reflection that she helped others uh, identify with their time as such. Every day, uh, one of the things I say uh, in my work in, especially in peace building, is that often we lack imagination. We lack the imagination to foresee the Arab Spring a year ago. We lack the creativity to step out of our analytical lens and imagine the capacity of people to make change in their own lives. So um, her her long-spoken uh, lessons uh, certainly are part of my daily life uh, working here in Washington. Is there a personal story you can tell us about your relationship with me as a student in the uh, in the seventies? Right? Yeah, uh, she really definitely had a lot of influence. Uh, in my thinking about living and about studying, uh, I think she really, it's not so dissimilar than the other guests, but she seemed to recognize a creative spark in people, and in that recognition, it allowed me as an individual to just embrace my own creativity as uh, a skill set, uh, not one that was ever terribly graded in school, but certainly one that propelled me to do things a little bit differently than others, perhaps, and she really helped me embrace it. You wrote a poem about the called The Seed Woman, and when Keith was talking about that in his last couple of comments here, about how, how she did that so well of, of seeding creativity in individuals and helping seed their strengths and, and recognize and help them apply their strengths. Can you tell us about that poem, and if you have it, would you share it with us today? Oh, certainly. Thank you. Um, yes, I. Uh, this was a little poem I wrote for her as a gift of thank you, I guess, uh, when I graduated. And uh, it's, it's very simple, quite short, but um, for me it really... Um, kind of uh, embodied what E. Bleedorn was uh, to me in my life. And it is called Seed Woman. 
sower of human potentials. Like a chemist, you experiment with possibilities and mix together the unordinary until it becomes extraordinary. We will always need in this world flowers and roots, seeds and ground, and a soar, whether it be the wind or you. That was uh, something that I saw in her, that she uh, really did sow the energy and ideas, um, but she really did it through her own example and others truly identified with her spirit of um, stepping outside the box, uh, something I always remember she would say, withhold judgment, withhold judgment. (laughs) And I find myself saying that often in meetings that I run in which we're truly brainstorming about possibilities and to really withhold judgment so we have the full possibility of understanding how to look at a situation. And I think analysis in war or peace really requires that kind of um, imagination that be uh, so truly uh, was about in her daily life and uh, in her professional life as well. And what you're talking about, Kathleen, also involves compassion to um, dismiss judgment and flows right along with your work, I think. Yes, it does. Peace building. Absolutely. I think she would greatly appreciate the work you're doing these days and perhaps didn't even realize the, the depth of what you're doing in, in global issues, which I think were always deeply important to her and, and, you know, sort of the sense that creativity could change the world at all levels. And so I, I personally am grateful for the work you do as, as in, inspired and influenced by these life and works. So thank you. And again, if you would stay with us, for a few more moments, we want to bring Kristen Burry into the conversation, another former student of Bee's at the University of St. Thomas. Um, Bee was, uh, Kristen was in Bee's, uh, one of her first uh, future studies classes, um, and now does work to promote creativity and systems thinking and change in communities, organizations, and education. And Kristen joins us today from Minnesota and splits her time between Minnesota and Arizona. So welcome to Creativity in Play. Yeah, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be a part of celebrating Bee's birthday. Well, tell us about those courses that you were a part of. I think it was more than one, if I recall correctly, back in the 90s at St. Thomas. My impression when I first signed up for the creative thinking and problem-solving class through the entrepreneurship program at St. Thomas was what at first, what class did I just sign up for? It was so broad. <laughs> and I think that resonated with many students, did it not, Steve? Yes, indeed. And uh and during the my time in her first class, the creative thinking and problem solving class, as I was a typically left brain, I was told I was left brain, analytical, logical, linear thinker the experience and exposure I had to her class really encompassed the logical approach to whole brain thinking, meaning left brain engaging and right brain engaging and whole brain thinking, which to me was 
the most logical way to analyze any problem. So creativity actually boosts the efficiency or the analytical side, and without engaging with creativity first, we've lost the capacity for the, the analytical side in some ways. So that course was my first course with her and learning about creativity. And the second course was called Creating the 21st Century. And I was actually in her pilot course. And the last time I checked, St. Thomas still has that class in their entrepreneur program. The course taught systems thinking across social, technological, economic, environmental, and political areas. She used the acronym S-T- E-E-P for that, and I'll never forget it. So those were some just some class notes from that time of my life. And, Kristen, how did those class notes influence your work now? Um, the found, They're foundational to my work now in how I teach civic leadership, uh, community engagement, and using the S-T-E-E-P model and expanding from a local, state, regional, national, global matrix. And I use that as a definite visual matrix for students as I'm teaching them about civic uh, leadership and analyzing and being involved and engaged in community action. Wow, thank you. So I believe we're going to have a brief conversation with Pete, Kathleen, and Kristen, Steve. I think we've lost Pete, but uh, we still are with Kristen Bray uh, in Minnesota and Chris, uh, and Kathleen Keenest in Washington, D.C. And I want to, I guess, ask both of you, because I know both through your work and, and I think personal lives and interests, you know, the, the work of communities and community building at many levels, as Kristen just said, as you think about this past year, and, and Kathleen brought up the Arab Spring, but also in this country and the Occupy movement and what that is and looks like and means as perhaps an example of a creative process or creative community building, how do you see these ideas tapping into this, this past year in this, this country? Go ahead, Kathleen. In this country, uh, well, I think there's uh, several thoughts about that. Um, one of the things that really interests me is, again, going back to the agelessness of B. Uh, certainly what we've seen in the Occupy movement is in many ways not about an age group. It is about uh, generations reaching across lines and experience and uh, learning to um, embrace and appreciate different perspectives, uh, different issues, different concerns. And I think it has all been a very, uh, at least what I, I have read and I have uh, been by the Occupy uh, site in D.C., um, that it has been a very collaborative process of, and and one that was without per se leadership in the typical hierarchical fashion and I think B would have really uh, reveled in that uh, kind of horizontal and collaborative approach 
to trying to address uh, social problems uh, within this country. And, of course, uh, there is a parallel universe happening across the globe right now. Uh, And we see it not only in the Arab Spring, but uh, we certainly see it in Russia. And just yesterday there were reports about the border of South Korea. Uh, There are a number of um, uh, North Korean um, who have ended up in South Korea, uh, you know, occupying that border, saying, you know, now is the time to make a change. So I, I, I see this as, um, in many ways, that uh, approach that B would talk about popcorn, you know, ideas just um, taking off and people seeing that nonviolence is a very pragmatic, practical way to make change happen. And I think she would have really uh, appreciated that um, because she was a true social activist in every sense of the word. And what I see is uh, when I spent some time with Dee over the last couple of years, her true desire to master technology and her frustration with her uh not being able to do exactly what she wanted to do on the computer. And I said, B, for your age, you're doing so wonderful. She basically mastered so many different programs. And she said, don't ever bring up my age. And I, I resonate the agelessness of B. But the uh, vision that I believe B had was that technology would be used as a tool and yeah. whenever we looked at any one object or issue, it was never to be looked at as a simple tool. It was always expansive. Right. And so the expansion and the expansiveness of, of tools that we can apply in uh, infinite ways, I think B would be filled with eternal hope. Well, I want to thank you all. Our, our time was brief and fast today to celebrate D, but I want to say thank you to all of our guests, Joan Barnes, Bonnie Sample, Pete Muller, Kathleen Keenest, and Kristen Burry for joining us on Creativity and Play. We again remember and honor Bernice Bledorn for her lifetime of work to advance the thought of creativity on what would have been her 100th birthday today, and we say thank you and onward and upward. You can listen to this show again online at creativityandplay.com. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you all for joining us. Happy birthday, B. Happy birthday, B.